Welcome, boils and ghouls, back to Handle with Scare, a horror podcast brought to you by Tumbly Drunk and Holly Hooch. Be sure to stay connected with us via social media over on Twitter at Handle with Scare. You can email the show at handlewithscarepod at gmail.com. Find more information, of course, on our website at handlewithscarepod.com. Joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host, Holly. And Holly, tonight we are wrapping up our techno-terror deep dive with a a movie that I have seen on quite a few occasions. It is a movie that has been... uh, I wouldn't say it's, like, still really underground, but this, this movie played a major influence on a lot of, like, body horror movies that came out later it's got like Mm -hmm. that cyberpunk aesthetic uh it it honestly feels kind of like a like a metal uh music video at times too with all the industrial sounds in regards to the soundtrack tonight we're talking tetsuo the iron man uh for our final technophobia movie and you know this is one of those movies that you know you sit down you watch it and then you question what the fuck you just watched because it's basically like 60 bat shit crazy five minutes of just bat shit <laughs> craziness flying at you. <laughs> it's an absolute work of genius. This movie is so ridiculously good. But and honest, I'm I'm really excited to hear your synopsis because half the time I don't know what's happening. Mm. So let's see if you figured it out. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's one of those like, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna take the lead on this, and uh, you know, good luck. You know, pat you on the shoulder, and you can you know be on your merry way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I got notes. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong; like, I'm ready. Right. <laughs> I did research, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I just uh, you know that's just the what one of a. One of our themes in the show is you, you tell the synopsis, and every time I've tried it, I end up skipping like large portions, mm. and I just go for the I just go for the meat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, uh, yes, did you wanna did you wanna kick it off? All right, well let's uh, let's do let's do the short version of this. So this is Tetsuo the <laughs> Iron Man, released in 1989. This movie is in black and white, and you know, thank goodness for that. I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but this is directed by Shinya. Sukamoto and the basic barebone plot is that you have this businessman who accidentally kills a metal fetishist who gets his revenge by slowly turning the man into a grotesque hybrid of flesh and rusty metal. That's right, Tetsuo. This is a movie that is metal AF, you know, to mm-hmm. its core. And uh, I wouldn't say it has the most pleasant ending. Uh, but get it, the journey there is one of the most bizarre 65 minutes <laughs> that you were ever going to spend. Now, what I will it's... say about this movie is it's very unique. You're probably not going to watch another movie like it. Um, it, it does kind of have those, like, Eraserhead type vibes to it. Right. M- mixed with, like, David Cronenberg, because a lot of this is a body horror, uh, as well. And as I mentioned, like... With this movie being black and white and knowing uh, some of the sequences in regards to the gore effects, this is one of those movies that I was very happy was shot in black and white because it is very 
graphic in nature. And really the only other movie that came to mind in recent years that I was like, you know, good thing this isn't in color, uh, was pr probably like going back to The Human Centipede Part 2, because that was also very graphic in nature as well. But, you know, just some of the metal punctures and, uh, you know, just different aspects of the metal fetishist, uh, which is always interesting talking about this movie because they don't really name the characters. You just have, like, the metal fetishist, or he's credited as, like, Guy, and then you have Salesman, and it's just like, how the hell do you describe this movie knowing that, you know, they just have very layman terms? That's true. I mean, like I was saying, I was really excited to see what you came up with. But I, I uh, well, shoot. I mean, I, I wrote down as many scenes as I could, but then I started losing count. Mm. <laughs> And I cannot believe this movie is only 65, 67 minutes long. It's insane how jam-packed it is. You don't get a feeling of it missing anything. And yet it is one of the shortest movies uh, that that is a full-length film that I've watched. Mm -hmm. But every, every second is just so uh, deliberate. <laughs> and uh when i watched this i and i i think i i said that i watched it like seven years ago when i when i really think back it was actually more like 15 years ago and i i didn't appreciate the movie as much as i did as i, as I do now just because you get the chance to like really stop and analyze what you're looking at and it's just absolutely impress impressive uh, uh i was particularly taken with uh fujiwara was that the uh the female lead's name the girlfriend's name mm -hmm. She killed it. Oh my gosh, she was so good. I don't know and uh, uh and it's just I don't I don't even know. Let's I don't know how to roll into this. <laughs> Where should we start? All right. Well, uh I mean, obviously we got to start from the top. So we meet we meet Guy, <laughs> aka the metal fetishist. Uh as he is, you know, kind of hanging out in this Tokyo hideout. Uh it's kind of like reminiscent of just like a, a hoarder's house because it's just full of metal parts. Everywhere. Looks like a factory. Yeah. Like some sort of manufacturing site. Uh, so the guy ends up cutting open his thigh and he thrusts this large metal rod into you know, his open wound. Uh, you know, we then get to see him unwrapping the wound because he did have it bandaged up. And that's when we see it is basically covered and rotted maggots. with maggots. Uh, but did you see all the little pictures of um, of of runners everywhere? Yeah, he had like so athletes. Like Plastered everything. Yeah. He's trying to improve his body. He's trying to be like, you know, uh, I don't know, the, the shittiest cyborg. But, you know, it, it sort of works. Yeah, I, I don't know if having the robot parts would make him uh, more efficient as a runner. But, you know, we do see him running across the city on more than one occasion in this movie. <laughs> so uh, who am I to judge? But I don't know if that's more or less effective than the uh, the rocket boots, essentially. <laughs> I, I'm gonna vote for rocket boots. Those <laughs> things are fucking rad. And everybody had them. That was well, not everybody, but both of them. Yeah, I don't know. Did a uh, did lady with glasses have them? But let's let's not. I'm not. Yeah. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Yeah. So he's running. Yeah. For what I'm guessing is to go get some medical help, right? Yeah, he's basically horrified by the sight of these maggots, and he runs outside. And sure enough, what happens when he runs into the street? He gets run over by a car. Which, yeah, fairly straightforward. Of course you are. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when uh, you're in the middle of the road. You, you get hit by cars. Uh, but anyway. I remember <laughs> at this point in the movie, I thought to myself, why is he so angry? It was just an accident. Mm -hmm. Little did I know. <laughs> yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yep, we'll that, get to it. Then we meet uh, the salary man. 
uh, who is having these visions of metal and industrial equipment. Uh, so uh, again, like there's there's a lot of metal in this movie, and you know I I like the the opening sequence because you do kind of like get that very like rhythmic uh, music video sort of introduction, mm-hmm. and a lot of the soundtrack is, I mean it's like steel, it's metal, you know you get that industrial type sound, and it's just it's so fit in for the type of movie that it is. You know you have the drill bits, you you just have like all of these different like different. Uh, like machinery and tool sounds, which is just so unique for this type of movie, and it just it, it shows so well uh, with it. And I, I, I was reading how, um, and by reading I mean I watched a video online about. <laughs> how, uh, I mean, like the the movie is definitely a labor of love, mm-hmm. and it's and there's a lot of backstory about how it was made. And he was running out of money, and the last bit of money that he got towards the end, he. He threw it all at editing and at the music, which I think was the absolutely best thing he could have done. And so the score, which you can actually buy independently, like it is a thing, like you can buy the soundtrack to Tetsuo. And uh, it's uh, it, it was fucking perfect. Um, and he re- he reviewed several artists before he settled on one. And and the guy did a hell of a job. Yeah. So getting back to uh, the salary man, he's shown shaven uh, and he notices that he has this piece of metal that is uh, protruding from his cheek. A little char. Yeah. yeah. So a little, little, little nub there. And when he goes to touch it, uh, you know, it's like a blister. You know, it pops. Blood starts to spurt out everywhere. Uh, and then this is when we are introduced to his girlfriend who he is talking to on the phone, which is a weird, like, interaction but w- because Hello. the two keep, like, parroting one another <laughs> for, like, <laughs> what feels like three minutes. <laughs> Honestly, I love the relationship in this movie. It is so freaking steamy. <laughs> but, yes, for, like, a minute, they just go back and forth saying, hello, hello, mm-hmm. hello, hello. I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, so uh, during this phone conversation between the two, the girlfriend notes that, uh, you know, things just haven't been the same since this incident, uh, which she notes is a hit-and-run accident. So immediately, mm-hmm. early on, we're like, all right, we can connect the dots. Uh, these two were more than likely behind running, you know, guy over with their car. Uh, but there's right. there, there's more to it. Than that. Uh, but anyway. There's a lot more to it. <laughs> so the salary man basically makes his way onto a train. And this is when he sits down next to uh, this woman in glasses. And this woman finds uh, this piece of metal that is on the ground of the train. And she she goes to, to pick it up. Uh, and immediately something is amiss. Like this is where the movie starts to go into the what the fuck category because as soon as she touches this metal she is transformed into uh kind of like this metal human hybrid type monster <laughs> i don't i really don't know how to describe it because you know it's kind of hard to get a, a look at all the details knowing that it is black and white but yeah it is very <laughs> ravenous you know she she is bloodthirsty well, she keeps poking at the thing. And I remember thinking, like, why would you do that? You just leave it alone. Because it's a hunk of metal. And and if I'm right, like, he's in, he's in it. The, the machinist is in it, right? Somehow. And then she touches it. And then he gets to to attach himself to her. Mm-hmm. And then she turns into, into the sort of uh, 
the metal monster for a little bit, but not as big as we're going to see later. Yeah, I think the gist of it is he has the ability to possess people through metal. Yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, based off of, you know, later interactions that we, we do get to see. Uh, but anyways, so this woman in glasses is transformed into this metal monster, and the salary man is running scared shitless. Uh, he flees over to the bathroom as is being chased by this woman uh, who does end up tracking him down. Uh, unfortunately, you know, there's a, a pen stabbing for, for her efforts in this case, mm -hmm. uh, which does give the salaryman an opportunity to escape. Uh, and he ends up, like, running off to hide in, like, this workshop Again, only to be tracked down by this woman again. So, you know, she she is quite relentless. And uh -huh. yes, he is able to overpower her. And yes, he is able to get the upper hand. But it hasn't been like so definitive that, you know, she's incapacitated or anything like that. No, she's totally fine. Although and then he manages to hit her a little bit, too. Mm -hmm. And then you see that affecting the machinist as well. So that was that's those are little hints. As to how this guy is connected to this woman. Crazy stuff. Yeah, so one of my favorite shots in this movie is actually when she, she tracks the salary man down in this workshop and you kind of got like that that throat slit gesture that she gives, uh, which the uh, machinist also, also uses. That's kind of like his trademark. And, you know, it would make sense that mm -hmm. if he is possessing uh, these people who are touching the metal, that they would be able to mimic his movements. Uh, so pretty, pretty cool scene there. And I really liked kind of just like the uh, the makeup effects, especially in regards to the face, because it is very aggressive <laughs> uh, with, with some of like the the eyeshadow uh, in this. movie. Right. <laughs> well, later you get a nice little scene where where uh, the fetishist, the metal fetishist. I don't know if we call him a machinist or a fetishist, but <laughs> he's putting on some uh, some very rad. You know, black makeup, and I thought to myself, yeah, man, this is cool. This man's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Show him how it's done. <laughs> yeah, so so as this uh, machine girl and uh, the the salary man are basically fighting again at this point, uh, he does overpower her, and, you know, he kind of, like, bear hugs her and starts to, like, break the woman's back uh, and is able to dispose of her. Uh, mm -hmm. and what was interesting about this sequence is after, like, I don't know if it was a sign of, like, the, the possessive link being broken, or if she just died in the process, we kind of, like, see her limbs are being torn apart upon being right. defeated in this scene. Yeah, I, <laughs> I tried so hard to understand. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, it maybe it just it's part of it is that like she's disposable, you know, mm -hmm. like the metal fetishist is working through her and she's rather, you know, not not consequential. So whenever she's not useful anymore, she can just disintegrate and disappear. And, and that's something that we kind of see happening later on as well. Mm -hmm. So it's just like using them, you know, using them and tossing them, I think. I mean, that could be. Your, your guess is as good as me. It's fine. You know, I watched so many reviews of this movie and mm -hmm. not one of them, like, because I was really hoping to find one that would, like, break it down and, you know, then we can build on that right. shit. But, uh, no, they all kind of did the approach of, like, hey, you know, how did you feel when you watched this movie? Yeah. Let's talk about his background, which is very interesting, mind you, but 
Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm just, I'm the kind of person that loves like to take things apart and analyze them. But this one just, it's tough. It's mm-hmm. not easy. <laughs> but that's so fucking wonderful. You know, like you, you, you got to really appreciate when somebody really makes you work for it. So, yes. So this woman gets torn apart. Yeah, after that fight, and then afterwards, uh, we see the salaryman basically realizing uh, that, you know, his body is starting to change uh, because he is beginning to transform. So his arm has been turned into metal, and I know he was also, like, taking a look at, uh, you know, his feet feet as well Mm -hmm. uh, that were also uh, changing as well, which will come into play in one of the the chase sequences, which there are a, a few throughout this movie. Uh, so this is this is when things you know continue to get into the the, the strange realm. Uh, so we get a dream sequence here, uh, where the salary man sees his girlfriend <laughs> dancing erotically, and at in this dream, uh, she has this metal hose like phallus, and she basically butt fucks the guy <laughs> uh, with it. And, Doesn't look very consensual. And yeah, it's it's definitely drawn out, and you could just you could see it's the pain in the guy's face as it just it's a rape scene. It, yeah, it, it, it dives further <laughs> into his body, uh, and of course, when he awakens, he's just he's just horrified to see that like his transformation uh, is starting to accelerate. So he's becoming more and more metal and less and less human as this movie is continuing. And then, of course. You know, this is when you know the the couple gets the fuck in. They have their their lunch or whatever. And what, are you <laughs> glossing over like the best scene of the movie? Well, it's it's one of those scenes where it's like, well, how how much do you want to break it down? Because like you go from a sex scene into another scene where you know at at the table, like it's very suggestive. Uh, eaten by by his girlfriend as well. well. <laughs> she's being well. First of all, the sex scene is uh, out of nowhere. The steamiest <laughs> sex scene I've seen in a long ass time. I was like, "Holy shit, this is good!" I, it had me like watching at the door in case like my mom was gonna pop in, and she lives in another state. Mm. <laughs> I was like, "Damn, that's steamy." Yep. And, then, and then the feeding uh, sequence was so fucking hilarious. Like he just drops this like frying pan full of food in front of her. Mm. <laughs> And then I thought, I'm like, shit, man, like this, <laughs> this is definitely like, you know, a fuck done, you know, like all they're doing, it's just like eating out of the pan and having sex. Yeah. And so he's feeding her and all of the noises that she's made, or she's making like these very sort of seductive moves, right? Like she, she's licking the fork and she's licking the food and, but everything is like metallic. And mm-hmm. so I, I was thinking like, oh, you know, that's. That's him having these like sexual rea- a sexual reaction to her actions, mm. but they all they're all sort of metal, metal related too. So it's just kind of feeds in more into what's happening to his brain and to his body. So I thought that was really fucking neat. And then of course we get into some uh, pretty disturbing stuff. Yeah, what I, what I found interesting about you know the sex scenes in this movie is you know there's not really nudity in this movie. Like she's wearing her lingerie, oh. and like even even during like that first sex scene. Uh, there, there's a moment where it feels like the the girlfriend is like trying to like climb up, and the guy's fucking her from behind. And then at one point, like I I can't remember if like she elbows him, but like there there's something that causes separation between the two, and that's that's when we get to the dinner table at at this point. Uh, but you know it's very interesting because 
we we do also have uh, these like flashbacks or dream sequences, depending on how you want to look mm-hmm. at it, of you know this couple having sex as well, which will come into play uh, to kind of like tie everything together in regards to the link between the couple and the metal fetishist. Uh, but getting back to the table, you know, th- this woman is you know eating very suggestively. She's licking the you know mini hot dogs or whatever. Uh, they're full on they're full size hot dogs and <laughs> well they made maybe they were they were cut up uh but uh, anyways yeah, like this entire this entire time she's hitting her boyfriend with the fuck me eyes <laughs> and you know the the two look to just get right back to work right uh only this mm-hmm. time the man's penis is transformed into this large metal drill a court because of course it is like massive he's he's massive he's transforming into a metal monster only in this case the monster is his penis yeah makes perfect sense (laughs) um i'm like but what does it mean t i don't know does it it must mean something but let's move on (laughs) yeah so you know the man he, he tries to lock himself in the room next door uh and you know his girlfriend is trying to reach out to him uh, good girlfriend sorta and she's like it's it's okay i can take it you're not going to scare me she's not a, she's not afraid of uh what's happened to him she just wants to make sure everything is you know okay and she eventually does join him in this room uh and you know at this time the guy basically has like a blanket over his head and then you kind of get like that slow pull of the blanket off to reveal uh, how accelerated his transformation has on been his face. on his face, yeah. as well as his, but you know, his drill penis, and then you know, his arms and his his feet at this point. But, so he's getting there. Why is she more scared of his metal face and not the the gigantic metal drill penis that she's already seen? <laughs> like this is this is blowing my mind. But uh, let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so at this point, the guy loses all control and he starts to attack his girlfriend. Uh, she is able to wound him, uh, and he starts to regain his strength by sticking this kitchen knife and fork into the electrical socket. So, <laughs> so again, like that'll come into play on a few occasions here. Uh, and the girlfriend does eventually stab him in the neck with the kitchen knife. Uh, and, you know, what was interesting about this is, like, there's kind of, like, this moment where, like, she thinks, like, okay, I accidentally just killed my boyfriend, uh, and then she gets impaled by the drill, like, in her chest. And we, (laughs) we see, uh, you know, the man wakes up, you know, kind of, like, realizes what happens, and then that's when you hear, uh, the, the maniacal laughter coming from the metal fetishist, knowing that... You know, he uh he kind of caused that to happen. Wait, are you flashing forward to when they sort of start? No, we 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 haven't gotten to the part where they they get back into it after all this, because she's a freak. No, that's before that happens, or where okay. I'm at. Because then it it wasn't in her chest then, right? Because I thought that it happened while they were doing it. This I... is probably not a part that we should focus on. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> 
Oh, wait, interesting side note. So uh, Kei Fujiwara, that was her apartment and they trashed it. <laughs> I, was, I was like reading up on on, uh, on how this was uh, the movie was made. Mm-hmm. And so they used her apartment as as the, the for the scene. And and they were just talking about how like, yeah, man, if we were going to put a hole in the wall, we were going to put a hole in the wall. Or if we needed to put a hole in the wall, we were going to put a hole in the wall. <laughs> and they, yeah, they, they fucked that place right up. Yeah. But she was uh, really instrumental in making of the movie, not just in her in the acting chops, which were absolutely amazing, but uh, just a whole lot of uh, different directing that she did on there and costume design. Quite the badass. Yeah, not to mention that, you know, the director also starred in a the movie. There you go. <laughs> yeah, definitely a pretty, pretty small crew in this case. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> so the salary man, his transformation... Uh, is basically complete, and he is turned into the Iron Man. No, not that Iron Man, completely unrelated. Uh, but, you know, Tony Stark has his own fetishes. He doesn't kill him <laughs> when he bags him, though. <laughs> that, that, you never know, that might be off-screen, but that's besides the point. Uh, yeah, uh, but anyways, he can do whatever he wants. So, <clears throat> after this transformation is complete, that's when we learn that, you know, this man and his girlfriend has struck the metal fetishist uh, with the car, and they decided to dispose of the guy's body in the woods. Uh, and, you know, they, they basically, like, thought he was left for dead. Uh, the metal fetishist ends up watching the two as they're basically fucking against, like, a nearby tree. And, of course, also the woman, the, the woman <laughs> like, hey, like, he's watching. He's watching. <laughs> they, they don't care. They just get right back to it. Uh, and, of course, the fetishist ends up watching them as... Uh, they're having sex in the woods here. <laughs> it's just like, you know, we, we we saw at different times, like, glimpses of that sequence. So, like, you're like, okay, like, are are they just daydreaming? Or are they doing a flashback? Nope. What, what's, what's up what's with that? You know, have you, yeah, doing it against a tree scene. Yeah, I was really curious about that. But, you know, it also strikes me that the life of a salary man seems pretty exciting, tell you the truth. <laughs> I thought it was supposed to be monotonous. No, man, this dude is like dating this incredibly uh, uh, hot, freaky in bed chick who's really fucking exciting to be around, tell you the truth. <laughs> so I was, uh, I I didn't, it's supposed to, you know, there's it's supposed to be a whole theme. I'm like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. like working in a cubicle, work, you know, being a salary man and, you know, how awful that is. But it's more exciting than my life. <laughs> Shitty. Let's move to Japan. I mean, there's a lot of uh, strange in Japan, which I'll I'll talk about later because there's definitely been some <laughs> some uh, some rabbit holes uh, that I've really? dove into uh-huh. in regards to like Japanese cinema. <laughs> but that's a story uh, for later. But anyways, that's okay. A story for later. So the salary man again electrocutes himself for a second time, uh, and you know we he started to become more in sync with the metal fetishist. <laughs> so. At this point in the movie, he's looking to track down the metal fetishist. And this is when we see that odd, like, transformation scene uh, with the girlfriend, where she kind of, like, decomposes in a way. And we see the metal fetishist kind of, like, emerge from the decomposition. uh, Right, because she... you know. Yeah, Sellerman puts her in the tub, right? Her dead body. And then he like sprinkles like flowers onto it somehow or something. Right? I don't know. Or maybe they just came out over because this is what the movie's all about. I don't know. And then yeah, the the metal fetish is kind of 
comes, well, she comes out of the tub first mm-hmm. and attacks him. And then it turns out that metal fetish just was inside of her. And then when he comes out, she turns to like goopy stuff on the ground, oatmeal on the ground. That's where oatmeal belongs. But maybe, maybe it wasn't oatmeal. Maybe it was the stuff. The stuff. Yeah. Could be. Oh, yeah. All right. I need some stuff, though. I'm not going to eat oatmeal <laughs> anymore. Yeah, re- really, really interesting scene. And it, it does kind of have like that uh, claymation type vibe to that sequence. Uh, the stop motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stop motion in this. It's amazing. Incre- I, I, I feel bad. All I can say is that it's amazing and incredible over and over again. But there's just so many different types of 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 uh, of of creating a scene in this. There's it's, it's smorgasbord of fucking like tactile and and. And sensory experiences in this thing. All right, sorry. Let's move on. There's oatmeal on the ground. <laughs> yeah, oatmeal on the ground. Uh, so the metal fetishist at this point is wanting to show the salary man, you know, this new world that he is uh, looking to create. Uh, and this world, you know, we get a glimpse of is post-apocalypse, uh, post-apocalypse, where the Earth has been consumed by metal. Uh, and this is when we get to see that chase scene throughout the entire city where, you know, the fetishist is shown as, like, this runner. And you have the Iron Man, or, you know, in this case, the salary man, who has, like, his rocket boots, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things that I love about this movie is, like, any time there is traveling involved... They do, like, the whole, like, quick travel where you have, like, the, uh, the spirits in the woods from, like, Evil Dead where you get, like, the fast travel right. POV shot and it's just really sped up and that. shaky camera. And it's, it's, it's a great way to, move this one, shit along, get to your destination, but two, just get there quick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, we've only got 67 minutes. Mm-hmm. Every minute counts. Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, so during this whole chase sequence, we get like this vision of a man who is just repeatedly uh, hitting this guy uh, who is a child in this scene uh, with this metal rod. Maybe that's where his uh, his asphyxiation with metal started, I would imagine, in, in mm-hmm. this case. Uh, and the Iron Man ends up escaping to this old factory. Of course, only to get tracked down by the metal fetishist who is uh, appearing to attack him yet again. And then we have like this whole like Magneto sequence where the Iron Man starts to use his surroundings and manipulates the metal around him, (laughs) which I really love. My favorite scene was when he moves one wheelbarrow down like four feet. (laughs) I was like, oh, impressive. What else? Yeah. Yeah. That's only the tip of the iceberg. (laughs) Well, when you put all these scenes together, you move them together really quick. You know, oh, it's impressive. And then you go back and like, that was just a wheelbarrow. And it Mm. just moved four feet. Okay. (laughs) But he's also punching holes in metal with his mind. Mm -hmm. It's pretty great. It's pretty good. Yeah. So basically manipulating all of the surroundings uh, is enough to help him overpower the metal fetishist. And as a result, we kind of get this... This interesting sequence where the two bodies uh, of of the Iron Man and the Metal Fetishist start to merge into one individual being. You know, I spend so much time like 
like not blinking mm-hmm. <laughs> during this movie because there's so much shit happening so quickly. But you know they're having this fight scene, and when and and when the 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 metal fetishist is sort of overpowering Iron Man and just you know really giving it to him, and then all of a sudden Iron Man just like opens up, and mm-hmm. actually the, the the penis comes out too, right? So. <laughs> And he's just like, nope, you're with me now. And uh, that I I don't know why I cheered, but I did. <laughs> I was like, yeah, get him. But now you're roommates. <laughs> now you're woomies. Because <laughs> it's kind of womb-like in there. It is. So then, you know, my mind just immediately jumps to, okay, so like, are you like a, a Cerberus? Like, which one do you use the left head and which is the the right head? Like, who who controls it's one what? dominant? Well, yeah, yeah who's, who's dominant? Like, do you do you each control, like, one side of the body? Like, I got too many questions at this point uh, in the movie. But, so any- but anyways, like, the, the whole goal is to reach the new world, and they basically vow to mutate the Earth into this planet made entirely out of metal. Uh, and they're looking to, as they say, rust the world into the dust of the universe. Let's <laughs> take it. And they're just like, <laughs> okay. But also, they're in a really good mood. They they are because <laughs> they're 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 talking about love, and then there's this whole sequence of them inside of the metal where they're human again, but mm-hmm. they're inside of the metal again, like a womb, and they're just sort of in a very loving space, and uh, and uh, they're together, I guess, and they don't have to worry about being alone again. <laughs> This is such fucking nonsense. I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. Okay. So, and then, yeah, like the guy actually says, you know, our love's gonna, you know, destroy the world. And he's like, yeah, I feel great. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was good stuff. It just comes to show that nothing can stop love. Right? Yeah, man. Even if, <laughs> even if it means the end of the world. Yeah, I had it coming. Yeah, we've had a good run too. I wouldn't mind it too much. I mean, I mean the, way, give me- <laughs> the way I looked at it is, is more... Well, just look at how many more people they can uh, possess, right? But they would be incorporating them into themselves, and they're already having a good time in there, so maybe it wouldn't be that bad. I mean, I mean, I'm not, I'm not advocating that we join the Iron Man team, but <laughs> I'm just saying maybe we will mind it once we get there. I'm just, yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, right now, you know, it's Suda Tango, but you know, you can add more to the orgy. That's all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> what's that joke it's like voltron the more you hook up together the better it gets yeah you don't know yeah yeah you know it could end up uh could end up being like the the end scene with the society which is another really bizarre bizarre sequence oh my god yeah, and I did. Uh, I did come across that comment in some of the reviews, saying that like clear, like he that uh, that uh, uh, Sukamoto was very open about like the influences that in in his life. And mm-hmm. uh, while he, I didn't see anything directly saying like, oh, David Lynch, Cronenberg, it's very obvious that mm-hmm. these are things that influenced him. Uh, but I did see something about uh, you know just uh, the industrial sort of uh, renaissance that that he saw as he was growing up in his surroundings and he also i don't know like just some of the 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 media that he consumed was 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 also just kind of like really big on surrealism in general mm-hmm. but what i wanted to get to was that uh this movie seems uh, one of the reasons i think this movie is so good is because it is the end product of a very very long process so uh, I mean I have heard that this is part of a trilogy. I actually haven't yes. seen the other two. Have Me you? Me neither. I have. I have not. Uh, there was 
uh, Body Hammer, which was released in 1992, followed by Tetsuo the Bullet Man uh, mm -hmm. in 2009. So, you know, kind of kind of a, a very long time in between, you know, two mm -hmm. and three in this case. Well, he was uh, he put out a when as he was finishing this movie, he had Electric Rod Boy in a festival. And it did end up winning, which I think was what got him the last bit of money hmm. or the ability for him to like leverage that into having a little bit more money, which is how uh, which is what he threw into the editing and into the music, which is great. But this was also um, uh, not I don't want to say originally a movie called Phantom of Regular Size, which is an awesome name. But, <laughs> but I think it was just same themes, same process, same sort of uh some cinematography and, and that good stuff. So basically like practice, right? Practice right. run and then Tetsuo. And and all of these, all of the actors in this movie were actors that he worked with in a in a in a in a small theater company that they that they put together, right? Mm -hmm. So like the the their their connection, their abilities, like this is something that that was honed over time. And it's it's so incredible to just be able to see this movie and not be aware of that because then it's just fucking like, oh, this is fucking amazing, which it is. I'm just saying like, man, it took it took him a long ass time and and he did a really good job. Uh <laughs> so uh on top of that, what was I gonna say? I think I'm done. What what do you got? <laughs> <laughs> well, as as I said, like this is just one of those movies that I, I feel like everyone needs to watch it at least once. Uh, and you no, know, you I, can watch it five times. Dude. <laughs> I I I know you know typically uh, you know we've been doing stuff that's easily found online. I actually found it streaming on YouTube. Uh, Me too. For free, mind you, in this game. Yeah. I mean, you could you could pay to rent it for like two bucks. I think it was. <laughs> So it's not much, but like it's it, this is one of those movies that, you know, you can see the inspiration uh, from other directors, but you could also kind of like see how it spearheaded a change of direction as well, because, you know, this movie is definitely one of those films that has fallen into cult status as the mm -hmm. years have gone on by. And while, you know, I, I don't know a ton of people who really like deep dive into uh, Asian cinema or in this case, you know, Japan, you know, it's just one of those odd, unique movies that has experience at, at like at least once because you know you you get to appreciate all the work that gets put in. You get to see just how batshit crazy it can be, and you know, it's it's a unique mesh of genres as well because it's not just it's not just straight horror. Like you you have the cyberpunk aesthetics, you you have the body horror elements. You know, there are very outlandish, like, fight scenes and, like, chase scenes like you would in, like, an anime movie. And that's one of the things I love about Japanese cinema. Because mm -hmm. they have so many different genres that are, are kind of, like, unique to them. Because, like, one of the, one of the like, rabbit holes I deep dove into was, like, these Splatterhouse type films. And it's something that I've brought up in the past. But I'm talking about uh, movies like The Machine Girl, uh... You know, you have like Attack Girls versus the Undead, Tokyo Gore Police. You have all of these mm -hmm. movies that at their core are like a live action anime. And one of the like one of the unique aspects of that genre, and I, I know I've mentioned this to you in the past, is every every time I sit down to watch one of these movies, my first thought is, okay, how are they going to weaponize a woman's sexuality? this time <laughs> because like <laughs> you you have like just a bat shit 
absurd ideas getting thrown at your face. Like you have uh, the alligator girl who is woman up top, alligator head on the bottom. <laughs> and you, you know, it's Wait, like woman <laughs> up top, alligator head on the bottom. Yeah, so like... <laughs> I'll I'll have to I'll have to find the image for that. But it's just like you oh know, my you, you kind of have like the whole like Austin Powers like fembot like machine uh you know breasts like with machine guns you know you you have things that are shooting out of places that they probably shouldn't be shooting out of you have weird mutant transformations and i just i love the absolute glee and absurdity that japan cinema has to offer because i know when i sit down to watch japanese cinema i'm gonna be in for a treat and i know it's not everyone's cup of tea I know, uh, you know, they're 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 just uh, popcorn movies in 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 their own right. But man, are they entertaining as hell! Well, <laughs> one thing I can say about those and Tetsuo is they're intensely, intensely creative, and it just it blow. It's humbling, honestly, mm-hmm. to see something so uh, incredible that I couldn't have dreamt up myself. So it, it, that's always really neat to experience. I'm trying to see if I can find the alligator girl. <laughs> just, so the- you, just so you can... Okay, okay, hold on. In the meantime, I got a little special something. Let's see. Can you hear that, T? It's kind of kind of faded a bit. <laughs> All right, so there's there's the alligator girl from uh, Tokyo Gore Police. Oh man, fantastic! You know the things you you miss out on by not diving into these rabbit holes of Japan cinema. <laughs> All right, so so to wrap things up, Tetsuo the Iron Man, absolute batshit crazy movie, a lot of body horror elements, a lot of sexuality. And this movie, sensuality, much, mm-hmm. much like Videodrome, which is where we started our deep dive into technophobia. Uh, so, you know, what what are your uh, rap like bow rap thoughts overall? Like, is this movie one that you are recommending to people? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those, you know, if you fancy yourself a, a lover of film, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, I. I, I hate that I said that, but uh, this is this is one of those, right? I mean, like it's just um, it's just absolutely one of those cult classics that just really makes you think and experience. Well, I don't know how much I'm thinking I was doing, but but I was definitely experiencing stuff. I felt feelings, and I, you know, <laughs> of course, you got to watch this too. You know, I uh, I would recommend all of the all of the different movies that we reviewed this um, in this in this theme that we did and technophobia. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, you know, we did pretty, I thought we did pretty well. You know, I'm definitely going to track down uh, the second and the third film so I can get a see, get a look at like, if they changed up the formula, if they are as batshit crazy as this one, if they're still all in black and white, if they have recurring roles, things like that. But, uh, you know, just knowing that there's such a huge stretch between one and three uh, always makes me kind of hesitant but, you know, if you had other stuff going on, I completely understand. But, you know, technophobia, <laughs> e- easily, like, 
one of the most diverse phobias that we can tackle. I would not be surprised if we circle back to do this one again, just because there are still so many heavy hitters uh, mm-hmm. that you know we we didn't get to talk about. Uh, some of which are more David Cronenberg movies, like. Yeah, more Cronenberg. Uh, like, <laughs> so, like, obviously, The Fly is definitely one that comes to mind. Uh, Chopping Mall, one of my personal favorites, the one that inspired me to get, like, that synthwave sounder for this specific I, podcast is another I one. I just watched that, by the way. <laughs> Which, uh, amazing movie in its own right, uh, for more than one reason. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> just just the attitude of the robots in that movie is fucking hilarious. Uh, but on tap. Okay, so we we wrapped up technophobia. Next up, we are going to be deep diving into xenophobia. So the Ooh. fear or the hatred uh, of things that are uh, perceived to be foreign or strange. And you know, this is this is one that we could approach a couple different ways. And I think more recently, uh, we've seen more. Uh, racism driven movies uh mm-hmm. that that kind of sparked from Jordan Peele's Get Out. So I feel like that is the perfect spot for us to yeah. to start with. Uh and you know like I but last night I watched a Twilight Zone movie and one of the segments on that is also very xenophobic uh dealing with like this racist businessman who ends up uh kind of like falling into uh, like Germany, uh, he gets thrown into, uh, basically like a KKK meeting as a black man, and Ooh. you know he gets targeted in that in that sequence, and then it it like shifts over to Vietnam, and just seeing like how you know just some of the things that uh that the, ar- the army had to do, but it's just like that one, you know, of course. Twilight Zone, like, always had just pulled from some of those po- more popular uh, stories from the actual TV series when they, when right. they did the movie. Uh, and then we also watched Blood Red Sky on Netflix, which is a very, very intriguing uh, kind of, like, airplane horror movie with, with a unique take on that, because it is kind of like a hijack movie. Okay. Uh, so, so that was a good time. But anyways, get out next week. Yay, Should be good. Out. I, I, <laughs> all right, we're done. Wrap it up. <laughs> we just closed down. Yeah, that's not, that's not what we're doing at quite yet. Uh, but anyway, so get out next week. Jordan Peele, uh, of course, he had his follow up us, which is also kind of, uh, in this subgenre as well. Right. But get out, you know, we, we talked about it's, it's kind of like the more focused, yeah. the more complete film. Uh, and you know, it's, it's a testament to, Writers and directors in general knowing that some of the best people who have directed movies in this genre come from comedy. Because there's always that uh, question of how much is too much in regards to that aspect when you're blended it into the mm-hmm. genre. And Jordan Peele finds that like perfect middle ground. I would agree. I was a big fan of this movie. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to get a chance to go rewatch it under... A, mi- a microscope, if you will. So this will be this will be very good. I'm a, I'm a little sad that our technophobia is over, but you said that we might come back again. That was that was a lot of fun. I mean, shoot, that was a really good run of movies we did. 
Yep. That's and some good shit. There's so, so much that we could uh, get into on that front. But for now, that is going to do it for us here tonight on Handle with Scare. Uh, you know, we, we got some things in the works that you and I need to talk about. Uh, yeah. In a bit. But, uh, you know, we'll have some news probably next week. So stay tuned for that. But if you guys are looking to contact our show again, you can email us at handlewithscarepod at gmail.com. You can find more information on our website, uh, which is handlewithscarepod.com. And of course, we do have our Twitter at handlewithscare, as well as our community Discord, uh, which you can find the link to join that over in our show notes. But for now, that will do it for us here on Handle With Scare. Again, this has been episode number... 19 discussing tetsuo the iron man and all of the batshit metal absurdity <laughs> that this movie entails go go watch it and report back to me and let let me know how seamy you think this movie is because uh it definitely the amount of so sweat seamy. the amount of sweat in this movie too cannot be understated <laughs> <laughs> that that's not even what i consider seamy but yeah it really well, is it's i gooey. mean it's it gets hot it's and heavy movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys enjoy your week and we'll see you back on Wednesday.